We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day podcast, the Thursday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. And we have a special guest with us. Very, very excited to bring him back uh, on our show. But as always, uh, half of your Thursday crew, I am Jason Perrone. You can find some of my work on X slash Twitter at Jason Perrone. I also do the Quick Slants podcast over at Game On Wisconsin every Monday. With me, as always, a Packer Report is Mark Eckel. And we have Mark Ross back with us this week to talk a little Packers, a little Giants, a little NFL. But uh, Mark Eckel... As I always have to ask, because it's bragging weather where you and I live. How are things at the beach? Nice. I, you know, I thawed out when I got back. I was, you know, <laughs> I, as you know, I was in Green Green Bay for the game Sunday night. Um, not as that wasn't as cold as I anticipated. It gets, you know, it never seems as cold when they win. <laughs> well, that too. But it was. No, I mean, it, it was. Listen, I was cold because I'm not used to it anymore. But. Um, my friend who who went with me, Doug, Barry Davis, who lives up in the Philadelphia area, he wasn't, I mean, it was like, it was 30 degrees, which for me, and you, Jason, living out in, in, in Arizona, you know, 30 is kind of cold, but for Green Bay, that's kind of nice, right? Yeah. At this time of year. It did snow all day, which was kind of neat. I haven't seen snow in a long time. Yeah. So that was nice to see the snow. Well, I'm giving you all the credit for the victory, Mark. Okay, I, I deserve part of it. I mean, every time they showed the crowd, I was hoping that maybe it would be your section. So I, I was, could get a... I, I was I was in the end zone. Um, I was in the end zone where most of the action happened, actually. Um, it was great seats. Thank you, Andy Herman, again. Um, we were in the end zone about 30 rows up, I guess, okay. which is perfect. I, I was in the end zone where the Packers scored their first touchdown to, to start the game, uh, where Watson caught his, where he, when, he, when he leaped up over the corner, and where the Chiefs were trying to drive at the end. So I, we were, we, there, it was, there was pretty good seats. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's, is there any bad seat? I mean, I'm sure there are some less ideal seats in Lambeau, but are there any bad seats in Lambeau? Really? It's Lambeau field in December. And it's incredible because the Packers inc- improved their uh, Matt LaFleur improves his record to 16 and 0 as head coach of the Packers in December. And given the circumstances, now the Packers are playing a lot better over the last two games. They came off the win against Detroit. They had the extended break. They beat the chargers. Prior to that, they had the rough stretch of, of football there where the only win they, they squeezed in there was against the Brett Rippon-led Los Angeles Rams, but still a huge, you know, two big wins in a row. And three, now Chargers count the Chargers three, three, oh, two, three in a row overall. But two, I mean, I would say 
the Chargers really dropped that one more that they lost that more than the Packers won. I think the Lions and the Chiefs being two really, really big wins here. And it's timely that we're talking about a matchup with the Packers going on uh, playing against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football, because as I mentioned at the top of the show here, we have Mark Ross with us who spent 11 years with the Giants. So without any further ado, Mark Ross, welcome back to Pack-A-Day. Thanks so much for coming back on. Always my pleasure. So remind everybody here, we're going to talk a little bit of Packers, a little bit of Giants. We're going to we're going to brag a little bit because the Packers are playing well. And, and we we had you on before. And a lot of what we talked about, and a lot of what you said has come to fruition. But remind our audience uh, just a little a little bit on, of your uh, background. Well, I worked for the uh, Eagles in, uh, from uh, 98 to 04, was eight, eight years there, you know, running their college scouting department. That's where well, I didn't meet Mark Eckel there. I met him at Princeton, actually. In Princeton, I played at Princeton, and I would have one catch and Eckel write stories instead of a pen and make it look good. So I always appreciated that about him. And uh, but uh, then we got to, he was a beat writer for the Eagles. We got to know each other there. He was a, one of the few writers that would tell the truth, or he, he'll say the only writer that would uh, you know, write. Yeah, there might have been one other. There might have been. <laughs> and then I worked for the Bills for three years, and then I worked for the Giants for eleven, won two Super Bowls with the Giants in various roles with the the, the scouting department. Eventually rising to the vice president of player evaluation. Been with the NFL Network the past four years. Had a little stint with the XFL, helping build that up as the executive vice president of football ops. Uh, I've done some consulting with the NFL League office with our guy, Troy Vincent. So uh, I've had a, touched every kind of a space that you can in the, with the NFL and football. Yeah, absolutely. What we like about you, Mark, is that you were one of the people, April 24th, 2020, that told us that Jordan Love was going to be a good quarterback. And mm-hmm. you never wavered when a lot of people were jumping off that bandwagon. Not too long ago, a lot of Packer uh, writers, Packer bloggers, Packer content creators, whatever they, they call themselves these days, were looking ahead to the draft and talking about, you know, J.J. McCarthy or trading up to try to get uh, Mayor Williams and all that kind of nonsense. But you never wavered, and I didn't either. I mean, Jordan Love's pretty good. Yeah, well, that's uh, you talking about never waver, and I, I had to learn that early on as a scout. I was 24 years old or something, and you know, my second draft was when the, with the Eagles we had the second pick, and that's when Donovan McNabb came out, Tim Couch, Achilles Smith, Cade McNown, Dante Culpepper, all those guys. But it was the Ricky Williams draft, the infamous. <laughs> everybody in Philadelphia wanted us to take Ricky Williams and. Of the mayor, all the fans. That's when we we took Donovan and he got booed. But you know, never wavering. It was the belief that not only I had in Donovan, but everybody in or not everybody in the organization, but the people that mattered, uh, you know, didn't waver. And so I had to learn that when I was young, you know, and stick with a guy. When you see elements and you see potential and you see talent, okay, well, this talent will will be cultivated. And that's the way I felt about Jordan Love. And when I evaluated him in college. You know, remember he, he had a huge you know, junior year, sophomore year, and then that the, his last year he had a lot of interceptions. And well, what happened to him? Well, you have to look at the elements and look what happened. And um, you know, he didn't have any talent around him. And not, you've heard me talk about Mark's always heard me talk about with quarterbacks who can raise the level of the guys around them. And the more talent you have around you, it makes it easier in the quarterback. But they still have to make plays. And that's what Jordan Love just did, you know, but he was carrying everybody on his back with that Utah State offense there his last year. Um, so that's why he had a lot of mistakes because he didn't have anybody good around him. But I just believed in his poise, his playmaking, his arm, the, the movement. Uh, you know, he just showed all of those elements that I love in quarterbacks. And uh, you guys saw that immediately those first couple games this year. It was like, yeah, this guy looks legit, you know, and then he had those lulls. And now he's back these last, what, four weeks playing better than any quarterback in the league. And, you know, I just saw those and I still see those elements of him, that talent that is not many people have, not many quarterbacks have. Yeah. And you, you look at some of the comparisons and I, I'm going to ask you about that in a minute with regards to the, the, the previous Packers quarterback. But. To that effect there, you've got some improvement there. I think you have to, and to your trained eye, I think a lot of our listeners want to know the answer to the question of how much of that is Matt LaFleur, how much of that is Tom Clements, how much of that is is Jordan Love putting in the work, looking at his own film, making his own corrections, how much of all, all of that is it there? What has been the magic elixir, in your opinion, to Jordan Love's recent 
hot streak that he's on right now and the improvements that he's made. Do you think this is something that is is sustainable? Is this what we're we're seeing from Jordan Love, or do you think we'll still see some more ups and downs? Well, there's always going to be ups and downs, but you're going to see this level of play where you know that this guy can be one of the best quarterbacks. And it's never one thing or another why things go well. There's all of that that you mentioned. He got better. The playmaking got better. The young guys around him got better. You know, that's another thing that got lost in this is he got thrown in with a bunch of rookies and second year guys. And, okay, all you guys figure this out together. So those guys were were getting better. And you see those guys making more plays for him where earlier in the year they were not. So, I mean, it's really an an unbelievable that they have the youngest offense in the league. Where Like this looks good. This could be really good for a long time with this group. Uh, Obviously, they won't be able to keep everybody together if they play well. But it's a testament to, yeah, he put in the work. He felt more comfortable. The players got better around him. Matt LaFleur got better at, at finding out, okay, what really works and how to out-scheme other defenses. But the bottom line is just when you watch Jordan Love, like let's just use these last two weeks as an example. No no bigger stage than Thanksgiving Day and then Sunday night against the Chief. And you look at that guy and you're like, man, he can ball. You know, the stuff he does – that's the eye test. You're not you're not making excuses for him. You're not saying, well, this or that. You just look at him, the eye test, and say, yeah, that guy's a player. And that's sort of when you have a franchise quarterback, a legit quarterback, you see that. Whereas I won't mention names around the league, maybe a team that they're playing this week, their quarterback who they gave a ton of money to, and you're trying to say, well, yeah, well, maybe if, well, this one day. And you just never really saw that with Daniel Jones where you're like, yes, that guy looks legit. Whereas Jordan Love, I think it's pretty clear he's legit. No, Mark, what, what you said earlier about how quarter – and I, I agree. It's like Donovan – you brought up Donovan McNabb, and I, I covered yep. his whole career with the Eagles. He never had great receivers until that one year when they got T.O., but he made guys look better than they were. Tom Brady yep. did that forever and ever and ever. I think – and I, maybe I'm wrong. We don't know because it's a small sample size and these guys are young, but – I never thought Jordan Love, quote unquote, struggled. He had some games that weren't as good as some of the other games. Right. But I thought it was more of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and yeah. uh, Jaden Reed. You know, and they're young. They're rookies. Like I said, rookies and second year guys. They didn't play so well. So of course, if your receivers are dropping passes at an at an, at an alarming rate at one point, or not being in the right spots when you, when you see two guys in the same spot, you're like, that's not right. Yeah. Um, that hurt Jordan Love. But now I think he's picked these guys up. I think Watson is playing better and Reed's playing better. And Do- Well, Dobbs has always been, been pretty con- consistent. But um, I think he's doing what you said McNabb did. No, he's making these young receivers the tight ends. Musgrave before he got hurt and now Tucker Kraft. I think he's making them better. And that's the ultimate compliment for a quarterback. With, without a doubt. That's what, you know, The if you're a great quarterback, if you're Patrick Mahomes, the more talent you got around you, you're just going to be even greater. Uh, now, if you don't have the, that talent, okay, the mark of a great quarterback is, all right, let me put these dudes on my back and make it happen. And, uh, of course, you have to be a playmaker at the quarterback position. You know, there's no such thing as when you start, we'll just run the ball and play great D and make it easy on them. Whenever you hear that about a quarterback, that means he can't play. They have to make plays, and they have to make plays in crucial situations, and they have to make people better. And you mentioned Donovan, and that was right from the start with Donovan. When, whenever he started playing, it's, yeah, this dude, he's he's the man, and everything's revolving around him, and he's making the Todd Pinkstons better and the Charles Johnsons and all those guys that we had there kind of didn't put the best group around him. We had a, an outstanding group of running backs. We were kind of built differently. But – um. Yeah, that, that's the mark of great quarterbacks. Is, and Aaron Rodgers did that forever in your place. And he had some talent, but uh, he did that forever. But it gets to a point with great quarterbacks where they can't do that anymore. And then when you when you start making excuses for those great quarterbacks, oh, let's just do this for them, that's when they're on the downside of it and they can't raise the level of talent around them anymore. But Jordan Love, hopefully for Packers fans, will have a lot of years of – Hey, raising the level of these guys, but now these guys have also shown that they can ball too. That was kind of where I was going to go with this is let's shift the focus a little bit over to these young receivers and the tight ends, the youngest group in, I think, the history of the NFL. There's been some, 
you know, this discussion or, or someone looked into it and, and the Packers obviously don't have a lot of experience in, in that passing game. We can throw the, uh, some of the offensive line in there as well. But when you look at this offense from week one until now with some of the ups, the downs, I mean, they, you know, I guess they were fortunate to start off against the Bears. You get a, you know, you get a big performance in week one. And of course, everybody's got high expectations and the way that they're playing right now. What what is 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 causing all of this these things to come together in such a, a great way? Are we giving a lot of credit to the coaching and the staff? I mean, obviously, Goody picking the players from from your from your perspective. What do you what are you seeing? The individuals getting better, but I also just see more comfort level in the offense and how finely tuned it is and how comfortable everybody is in it. You, you always hear this about players when they don't have to think they can play fast. And it's almost as if how these young guys are doing that whole offense, even Jordan, not thinking just playing fast because everybody's comfortable in the system. Everybody's more confident in their own ability. You know, you got to think everybody think we'll just jump out there and be great as a player. Well, it takes time to get comfortable with feeling that you can really do it and be great and be consistent at it. And, you know, it's not just the young receivers, because you've seen improvement by them, but somebody like A.J. Dillon, who's only, what, 25, and he's the old man in the offense, but he's gotten better. When you watch A.J. Dillon those first few games when Aaron Jones got hurt, it's like, what is wrong with this mm-hmm. guy? And now he's out there making plays, too, and he's probably gotten a lot more confident and sure of himself and within the offense. So, you know, it really is a, a fascinating group that Goody has put together, and, and, you know, that's the ideal of what you want. Like, let me hit on these draft picks these young guys and grow and build from there. And they really made a concerted effort to do it. Their whole entire core is young and now they've all stepped up, you know, a guy like Wicks, you know, coming out of nowhere making plays. And I mean, it's really a lot of options that they have and they put them all in position to make plays. And it seems as if Jordan has confidence in them to make plays and LaFleur as well, to have them on the field and, as Mark mentioned earlier, you know some of those games down down the stretch that they lost, where those guys were not making the plays, and now they are. And I give Jordan Love again. I, don't, I mean, we're praising, praising, praising him, and and he deserves it. But he never, like you, you brought up confidence, Mark. How he has confidence in his receivers, and he never lost that. And I know Jason, you had said earlier about comparing him to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, like especially with young guys, like, he never lost confidence in Jordy Nelson or Greg Jennings, maybe when he had him. But you know. Watson drops a couple, right, or, or, or lets one get picked off or um, re-dropped a couple early. He'll go right back to him. He's, he's not – I guess it's because he's young as well maybe and he doesn't feel like he's better than anybody else. But, you know, he stayed with these guys. He, mm-hmm. he didn't give up on them. He didn't stop throwing to them. You know, um, a good example was even the, the other night, um, the real young kid, the, the undrafted rookie, Heath, from, from Ole Miss, Drops a pass over the middle. Yep. I mean, if it's a first down, boom, he drops the ball, right? Well, I think on that same drive, yep. he goes back to him, and the kid makes a great play, breaks a tackle, gets a first down in the, you know, deep in the Chiefs' territory. That led to a score. So that's going to be right there. Like, there's an undrafted rookie, drops a pass. There's a lot of quarterbacks, not just Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot of quarterbacks would have said, hell, I ain't throwing that guy again today. Yeah. You know, no, he goes right back to him, and the kid makes a big play. Yeah, that, that was, was definitely striking during that game, Mark, where that, yeah, I, I was like, okay, this kid's not going to play again. And it, as <laughs> he, he, I was like, oh, damn, okay, he redeemed himself. You know, this guy made up big time for that drop. And, yeah, most if, there, if that was Aaron Rodgers in there, some veteran or a veteran coach that didn't believe in the guy, you're like, all right, just sit him on the bench. Let's put one of these other guys in there. But, again, that's that confidence level. And you talk about growing with guys. You got to think Jordan was getting – you know, second team reps forever for the last three years. And he was with these, these guys. So those are his dudes, you know, this is like, these are, it wasn't Randall Cobb and all those other old dudes that, that Aaron wanted. He was growing with those guys. So when you, when that's your dude, that's your buddy, you're going to feel like, yeah, that's my guy. He's going to get it done. So and that, to me, that's just manifesting itself on the field with Jordan, with them. Like, these are my dudes. They're going to make plays for me. I believe in them. We've all grown up together. And um, I know they're going to get it done. And it's you're seeing that week after week now. Hey, friends, I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. 
I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin-Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found Game Time. Game Time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. Game Time is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using Game Time, stress-free. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Oh, and Game Time is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code Packaday. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet, do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, it's, it was frustrating to see Rodgers eliminate a fraction of the playbook because there were just certain guys he didn't didn't want to throw to. And he did if they were open. He had great vision. You know, I think about the Cowboys game. Last year, you know, Christian Watson got off to a slow start. He had the injuries, and and then he breaks out in the Cowboys game. It's not like he never threw at them, but definitely, definitely something to to note there. And that was a big hallmark of Brett Favre when he got to when he when he came in in Green Bay, and and unfortunately Sterling Sharp had some injuries and he got hurt, and then then he wasn't on the team anymore. Uh, Mark Eckel, I know you and I have talked a lot of, a lot about the the growth there, and that was one of the biggest things. You you and Andy Reid have talked about that before. One of the biggest things of of having to grow within the offense, and hey, he's wearing a jersey, it's our jersey, he's open, he's getting the ball. So those are you know those things definitely you know, those things definitely stand out there. Um, so before we shift over to some Giants talk. Uh, Mark, question for you from the executive standpoint, because everybody now the conversation and there's been some conversation shifting to what do the Packers do with Jordan Love? He's under contract this year and next year. They're going to have to make a decision at some point. I know they can't do anything until the spring because of, of league rules and the way that his current contract is structured. But the million dollar question is, is do the Packers have their guy? Do they pay him? When do they pay him? And, and where does he fall? We kind of talked pre-show about Daniel Jones and that contract situation, the Giants, you know, they got into the playoffs. Daniel Jones leads them to a victory over the Vikings, who, as we know, were a little fraudulent and then got pigeonholed into having to do what they had to do. So from the executive's perspective here, where do you, where do we see Jordan Love from a, from a contract standpoint? Well, you gotta you gotta take care of the guy now. Uh, Mark and I did a exercise preseason and uh, said, okay, how many how many quarterbacks would you take over Jordan Love? And I, what was the what was the final tally, Mark? We were at just five or six or something. It wasn't it wasn't many at all. And now that you have seen what he can do, and you go through the landscape of of QBs, and all right, let's count them up. How many guys? How many other quarterbacks are better than this guy? You know, on this hot streak, you can't say many at all, but in totality, they're still, you know, he a top 10 quarterback. So when you've got that, that when you have that and 
you feel like he's going to get even better. You know, they have to they have to take care of Jordan and, and get something done uh, with him because it's not as if, like you said with Daniel Jones, where it was kind of fool's gold and they're still guessing and hoping and giving him a contract. You never saw that in Daniel Jones. You know, I don't, you know, anybody outside just the staunch Giants Daniel Jones supporters would say that they never saw that in him. But with Jordan, you're seeing it. You're seeing it week after week, and you saw it from game one when he got in. And so now when, when you're in his spot, you have to take care of him. Yeah, he's going to cash in. And it, and the timing, again, and I don't think this is a coincidence, they gave him a deal for this year and next. Um, they'll extend him as soon as they can, I'm sure, to a big deal. And that's just about the time when Aaron Rodgers' money comes off the books or, you know, well, he's off the books, but I mean, comes off the cap and David Bakhtiari's big deal will be off the cap and a couple other veterans who probably won't be around, um, in two years, Aaron Jones, uh, a lot of that money is going to free, free up and it won't be free for long because they'll be giving it to Jordan Love, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, they, the way they structured it was really smart and, Probably had the vision that okay, we're, let's let's bet on the high side that this guy's going to get it done. And okay, at that point, how is everything set up to make sure that we can take care of him and uh, not sacrifice the team? Because that's always the that's always the case when you got to pay all the when you got to pay those quarterbacks. Then all right, something else has to give. Mark, let me ask you this: So you said you were there when when Andy and um, Tom Modrak drafted Donovan, and that was a big decision on the Eagles part. Like you said, they were, well, couch went first, so, so you couldn't take him, but there was Culpepper and there was Mc, McNown and, or McCown. Um, one of those guys that wasn't any good. Cade McNown, UCLA. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. That's the guy everybody loved him. Achilles Smith, who was highly regarded. Went Achilles, third yeah. overall. Um, Joe, Joe Germain was in that draft as well. That was a really good draft actually, because you, there were some good player, non quarterbacks. You had, you had, um, Edger and James and Champ Bailey and, uh, I believe David was David Boston, the wide receiver that went high. Or yeah, he might have been. Or two, well, anyway, it was anyway. When and I think you told me this last um, a year or so ago when I did a story about Brian Brian Gutenkunst. He's going to like you're you're as a general manager, you're tied to your quarterback when when, when you draft him. I mean, you you take you make a lot of picks, but you you don't if you miss on a quarterback, you could miss you could be that could be your job. Yeah, um, and the Packers have been fortunate in that. You know, they're, everyone talks about their, you know, Favre and, and Rodgers. Well, you know, Wolf made a, Ron Wolf made a bold move yeah. to trade for Brett Favre, who was in Atlanta being being half drunk all the time and not even playing. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you know, but he makes a bold move, trades a first-round pick for Brett Favre. It works out, and Ron Wolf goes to the Hall of Fame. Ted, Ted Thompson makes a bolder move drafting Aaron Rodgers when he has Brett Favre. Instead of getting, you know, instead of taking a wide receiver or whatever else Packers needed at that time, he took Aaron Rodgers and Ted's in the Packer Hall of Fame. Yep. If, you know, if Rodgers doesn't pan out, Ted probably gets fired. And now Brian Gutekunz makes, you know, I'll say even a bolder move than the first two by mm-hmm. taking Jordan Love and really getting Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting in his head a little bit there um, to the point where they eventually trade him. And looks and it looks again, you know, it's early, but it looks like that's going to work out. You know, that as a as a guy that's had to do this, you know, you can't I mean, you can miss just as easily as easily as, as you can hit. I mean, oh, I guess you guys did miss. I don't want to bring up bad things, but you you guys missed with the bills on a quarterback, right? Somewhere. I wasn't there, Mark. Don't put that I'm on sorry. me, buddy. Okay. I was not there. <laughs> All right. <never> mind. <laughs> well, the bills missed, right? Yeah. That was Yeah. So that's yeah, you're going to miss more than you hit, actually. I mean, how many franchise quarterbacks, great quarterbacks are there? Not many at all. And then you're looking at all these bad quarterbacks around. So, yeah, it's rare that you're going to hit on a on a McNabb when you have a chance with the second pick and there's a bunch of options. And that decision changes the whole trajectory of your franchise for not just that time when that player is there, but years to come after that. I mean, just look at the Jets and the, and how they keep missing on dudes. They're, they keep getting these high picks and they missed on Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold and Mark Sanchez. And, you know, who knows when that, when they're going to get out of that Washington, you know, these chances and year after year of, of all of that. So, you know, it's, it's extremely hard to, to find those guys and say, you know, th- this is the, the guy that's going to, to get it done. So, uh, 
you know, now with Jordan Love, yeah, it's, it's was tremendously bold of <laughs> Cootie to, to do that um, and send Aaron on his uh, general manager's uh, uh, position there with the Jets. To, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 so rare to be able to identify uh, that that guy and put him in position to succeed. And there's a lot of factors that go into it um, to uh, to identify, but then also have the support, the right support system. Um, to do it. And, you know, talking about with the Giants, I had just, that was the year where they, Eli and Philip Rivers and Roethlisberger, they were all in that draft. And the Bills, I got there the next year, they had they had traded up to get J.P. Lossman. And, um, you know, just as a player, it, you know, he wasn't as the caliber of those guys, talented guy, but he just didn't kind of have a lot of the mental and, and things to, to get it done. So, the Giants were bold in moving up to get Eli, and it turned out to be right, you know. And um, that could have, if they hit on the wrong guy, took Roethlisberger. I think Eli was a perfect fit just being there off the field anyway of New York. I don't think Roethlisberger or Rivers would have really um, succeeded there, you know, just because of the media and their temperament. So, you know, there's a lot of factors on and off the field that go into it that makes guys successful. And, you know, as of now, with the Packers and Jordan, we keep talking about it. It seems as if they put it all together right to go with his natural talent and abilities and the support network and, and everything has been right for him. When you- I'm not supposed to let this out of the bag, but um, I had a little private conversation with her, with Goody about love. And I asked him what he, what made him take love at that point. And he said, well, there was a guy on NFL Network kept talking about how. how- <laughs> <laughs> you better have. <laughs> Well, to that effect, though, I mean, there's to to re, re, revisit the Aaron Rodgers draft. I think Mike Mayock was talking about it on some draft analysis and, and it was brought to Ted Thompson's attention. So that's not too far fetched of an idea that these guys may have heard something from somebody who's got a keen eye for it. And to that point, when you you think about the vision having to be similar between the coaching staff and the the front office and the scouting team, because if your coaches don't have a good attitude towards a player and they're just convinced this player is not a fit for their system or they don't agree with who the GM brought in, they're not, they may potentially misdirect their development or their attention on their development and scheming up ways to, to make that player succeed. And so it's a testament to the Packers organization staying together and because it was risky, as we've said, for Matt LaFleur and, and Brian Gutekunst to, to stick with it. And this kind of got me thinking, uh, Mark, from a from a personnel standpoint, because all season long, guys are out looking at talent and trying to get ready for the draft and and get ready to fill in positions. And I'm just curious what it's what it's like out there when you've got some question marks or some young players like this is a very young offense right so mm-hmm. is does goody have his guys out there and and you know maybe they were he- more heavily scouting tight ends or receivers earlier in the season because they just weren't sure if Dobbs is going to pan out Watson, Jaden Reed. We don't know what these guys are going to look like. Is Musgrave going to be an okay tight end? And then you get to the middle towards the late season and you're like, okay, this dude's a player. He's he's good. And so are they pivoting then as far as what they're looking at and the positions that they're looking at? I'm just curious what the the life of a scout is through all of the ups yep. and downs of that throughout the season. So no, you're you're you run your scouting season the same every year, knowing I mean, your, your scouts come in during camp just to know your team. and But your team after one week is different than that training camp team. And then after week seven, it's different. It's always different. So when you go out and scout and scouts are really based out of areas, you you scout your, you just scour your talent as much as possible. You write reports on all of those dudes. It's not I'm going to, you know, overvalue a uh, uh, a right wide receiver at Ohio state more just because I think we need one. You're going to judge those guys. You're going to evaluate those guys in a vacuum, how you should. Once you get into the the meetings towards the end of the year, you know, leading up to the draft with your coaches, that's when you really fine tune of what do we really need? And every draft you'll hear every draft pick, we just took the best player. That's not true. You're always talking about your needs and how you can get better and what draft prospects are better than the guys you have and and what position, if there's a, a same value, can help your team more. You're always talking about that. So that's when you really get down to the nitty gritty of 
determining who can really help your team at what positions that you may be weak at as opposed to a position of strength. But throughout the year, those guys just really evaluate the talent uh, for what it is. But the interesting part where you said is the scouting staff and the coaching staff have to be on the same page. They don't have to agree on everything. They don't have to agree on every player. That's impossible. But you have to be on the same page of the the direction of your team. And that's, you know, the from your GM and your head coach, really, that they set the tone of being on the same page together. Ownership as well, if they're involved. And then everything flows from there. This Green Bay situation. There's absolutely no way they would have been able to do this and Goody would have been able to pull this off with all these young guys if he wasn't on the same page with LaFleur and their coaching staff to say, you know what? Yep, we're going to take all these young guys on and we're going to coach these guys and develop them. Because I've been around coaches a long time. The thing they want the most is security with coach players that know know what they're doing. And there could be a super talented young guy and there's a veteran who's old and can't play no more. Like, I want the I want the old guy because they know what they're doing and the, the coaches don't have to coach them. And it really took, I'm sure, all these meetings that they had talking about how they're building this team of we have to really all sink in to say, yep, we're all going to be headfirst into developing these young guys, take our lumps, but say these are the guys that we really want and we know can get better for us. So any scouting staff and coaching staff have to be on the same page, same direction, same vision for how they're trying to build their team. And then there has to be buy-in and there can't be – well, I knew, you know, uh, Romeo Dodds wasn't going to be good or Jordan Love was going to, you know, there can't be any of that outside. Once you draft a player, it's got to be a Packer. It's got to be a giant. It can't be, look, the scouts wanted him and the, or the coaches wanted him. There can't be any of that division when you draft a guy or sign a guy as a free agent as well. Let's switch over now. But the Packers do play the Giants Monday night, Monday night football. Another big stage for Jordan Love. This is, this is you know, three straight games where he's like, you know, like you said, Thanksgiving Day against the Lions in Detroit. Now, uh, Sunday night football against Kansas City Super Bowl champs. Now, Monday night football, right? You know, are the, are the Manning brothers going to be there as well? Or are they going to Manning fans? <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> um, I mean, it's, you know, but it's Monday night football. still Monday night football. Right? National audience, everybody, everybody in the league watching. The Giants, now, before the season, you had a Giant team coming off a playoff win. Uh, Brian Dable, uh, NFL Coach of the Year last year, a team that I'm sure Giants fans had high expectations for after making the playoffs, thinking, okay, we're we're good now. We got rid of that Gettleman. We got rid of uh, uh, Joe Judge. We got a real a real GM and a real head coach now, and and you know we got Daniel Jones who won a playoff game, and we got Barkley, a healthy Saquon Barkley, and and we're we're ready to take off. And then you had a Packer team that missed the playoffs last year. They got rid of Aaron Rodgers. They have a new quarterback, the youngest offense in the league. You know, a lot of questions about the Packers this year. But here we are, and the game's in New York or New Jersey, and the Packers are six-and-a-half-point favorites. So let me just ask, what from – and I know you still have – are there any players left on the Giants team that that you drafted? Oh, man. I have to go look. I mean – Not many. Not many, no. Uh, But but you – I know you still have – you know, you you still – Keeping keep an eye on them a little bit. You you have people that, that that you know there. What happened? Was was last year just a total aberration or or? Yeah, I think yeah, I think what happened with the Giants, and I think Brian Dable he earned every Coach of the Year vote he should have got because when you looked at that team and the way they were winning, it was a struggle every game you watched them, and then they would just pull it out at the end. You know, just magical things were happening at the end. But when you looked at, you know, their offense was at the bottom. Daniel Jones was always at the bottom of everything. They, you know, they had the turnovers were there. Their defense wasn't great. They just kind of made stops when they could. And what kind of happened was, you know, everything just fell into play like Pittsburgh this year. You know, when you watch Pittsburgh, like that is a bad team. And they got seven, you know, got seven wins. You know, it was kind of one of those sort of just magical seasons that they had and instead of sort of evaluating what they really had and said okay is Daniel Jones really the guy is he just good do we have any playmakers on the offense you know outside of Saquon can we count on Saquon to stay healthy uh is our O-line good enough it was almost as if they said yep everything is great because we made the playoffs and we had a winning season instead of looking at it and it's you know I've been around a lot of staffs and you get caught up in 
that instead of the reality of what you're really looking at. So coming into the year, okay, Daniel Jones looked like the same Daniel Jones, and they didn't have any playmakers, and the O-line was bad, and, you know, they got blown out 40 to nothing the very first game of the season, which kind of snapped everybody back into reality of what the talent level or lack there was there. And then also it was the Daniel Jones factor of, man, we just gave this dude all of this money, and he looks like this. So that's kind of, to me, what happened there where it really wasn't a kind of a honest evaluation of the talent that you had and all spearheaded by the guy that was supposed to be your franchise quarterback. And, you know, once he went down, Tyrod goes in, Tyrod actually looked better you know, running the offense. And now DeVito is in there. Not that he's anything great, but the guy hasn't turned the ball over and they've kind of played a little bit inspired. So. A lot of factors went into it, and now they're sort of, where do they go from here? It's not just these last few weeks. It's, all right, now they're at the top of the draft, and where do they go from there? And so a lot of question marks still with that team. So the Packers right now are the seventh seed. They are thinking playoffs. Playoffs, right, Jim Mora? Yep. And so this is this matchup now is completely different than it was two weeks ago before the Packers took on the Lions. It was like, are they going to flex this game out of Monday night? And it, honestly, <laughs> they didn't. But uh, honestly, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it's it, the matchup now. It seems like the Packers are a heavy favorite, as they should be. They're playing really, really good football. But the Packers are now in a fortunate situation where I'll call it fortunate, where we can look at this game and say, this is this a trap game? Is this potentially something that could trip them up? Because there's a very manageable remainder of the schedule now in front of the Packers on paper if they take care of business here, it's a very young team. And I almost wonder what your thoughts are on whether they're they're in a better position to avoid the trap game because they're young and they just don't know what that's all about versus a more veteran team that has old habits, old mentalities, old all this other stuff too, where they're very capable and they've got a lot of experience. But you do see those teams sometimes. There were some, some Packers games and teams from the last 20 years I can think of that – you know, laid some eggs and had some clunkers. They they lost a bunch of games against the Lions, for example. What is your take on that as far as, as the Packers in, in this game here? Because it's now one that they should win. But again, it's it's a road. And they're actually on the road three of the last five games. So they're going to have three road trips as well. Right. That's why you go play games because you just – you never know who's, who's going to win. And no matter what the matchup is, there's always the possibility that – you could lose. The favor could lose. And that's why you go out there and strap it up and go play. Uh, I do think they're at the point where they've got so much confidence going now and still on the, the they see what's in front of them that I don't think they'll be a mental low. Could they get beat? Of course. But I don't think they won't be prepared. I don't think the guys won't be motivated, which is a lot of the reasons you know, sometimes there's upset. I think they'll be fully engaged and with another big stage, like, all right, yep, now we got we had we had Thanksgiving, we had Sunday night against the champs. Now we got Monday night with the biggest media market. Yeah, we got another challenge ahead of us. We have more uh, more inspiration to go get this done. So I think they're going to come out fully ready to go and where LaFleur is as a coach. I mean, the guy's been a really successful coach, whether I don't know the general feeling in Green Bay about the guy, but. You know, of course, he's had Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, he's coached a lot of success. He knows how to win. And I think that he just kind of got the team at that point right now where they're going to be focused and ready to go. Mark, great insights on on everything. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting Packer fans know months ago that George Love was the guy. <laughs> yeah. and they didn't have there to was worry. no need to worry. There never was any need to worry. <laughs> right. they, didn't have to, they didn't have to watch J.J. McCarthy or any of those other quarterbacks in college to, to, to see who the next quarterback might be. They, the next quarterback, sorry, he's already here. He's already here. Thanks again. We'll, we'll keep in touch when maybe when you know when when the Packers make the playoffs. Well, um, they, as you mentioned, the schedule. I mean, you got you got you got the Giants, you got the Bucks, you got the Panthers, you got the Vikings, Chicago. It's all right there in front of them. Yep. It's, right. it's all right there in front of them to get it. Well, I, I I told Jason before the Thanksgiving game. I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't think they were going to beat the Lions in Detroit on a short week. Lions had been playing really well. The Packers had been struggling. But I said, I said to Jason, I said, remember, Jason, I said, if, if they, I said, I don't think they're going to win, but if they do, we could start talking playoffs. Yes. And we're talking playoffs now. We're not talking mock drafts anymore. 
Yeah, you're looking at that Detroit Kansas City double double. You're saying they're going to be zero and two there. Now they're two and zero, and it just changes the whole complexion of the team and how you feel about yourself and uh, you know the long the long term uh, success of the team. It's it's really been an amazing stretch there. It it was kind of painful for me, Mark, as as you noticed to watch Andy Reid lose. You know, and then... <laughs> I know you shed a tear. I know you shed a frozen tear there in Lambeau for sure. Did uh, did you get yeah. a chance? Did he to turn around and wave at you in the stands, Marks? I know he knew you were there. Nah, but he might have known. He might know something was up when they went with him. But no, nah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to see him. That's a shame. I saw. I saw that guy that looks just like him though. He was there. Uh oh. Have you ever seen that guy that, that goes around yeah. looks just like Andy Reid? Oh yeah. I saw him wandering around the atrium in the title town or whatever. They, yeah, that title town district. Yeah. I was going to take a picture with him and tell people, hey, me and Andy got got back together. Oh man, <laughs> I've had I've got great memories with uh, in Lambeau and yeah, NFC Championship game in 07 there we beat Favre and then uh, you know our 2011 run when Packers were 13-3 we went there and beat them in the playoffs so got some fond memories of that place. Were you you weren't there when they when the Packers beat beat the Giants right? You were gone by then or no? Yeah, that was 17. I, you know, I won't bring that one up. That's when uh, you know, the Odell year when we were made yeah. the playoffs and then the, you know first drive we're going down and. Ball to touchdown ball to go down. He drops it. He's like, oh boy. This, and then uh, when Aaron Rodgers threw the Hail Mary before the half, you know, that was it. That was it. That was uh, that was McAdoo's only year, right? Or correct. And they got fired. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, and they hired a bunch of guys that weren't as good as them. Yep. So all right, Mark. Thanks again. All right. Really, yeah, really my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Right. Thanks, Mark. Right. Yeah. Always great insights. Fantastic yeah, conversation. Yeah, that was that was good. I like you know, we we know he he liked Jordan Love, but he I mean, he's calling him one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. Well, like, he was right yeah, once, so I'm I'm not going to argue. Not me. Uh, and he is playing. And, 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 and honestly, Mark, he is playing like it right now. Yes, he is. The other night he was. I mean, that, that's as good. And he's going again. And I know you know I don't want to fall into that trap that so many people do. He wasn't playing against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, right? I mean, right. people say, "Oh, the quarterback." No, Patrick Mahomes was playing against Green Bay's defense, and he was playing against Kansas City's defense. But with that said, you—I mean, you know—if you're a quarterback, you know who the other quarterback is, and you know what you have to do because of who that other quarterback is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to bring his team down. Like, like the Packers get the ball, go down and score. But you know Patrick Mahomes isn't going to say, oh, oh they scored. We're not. He's going, to take, he's going to bring his team back down. And Packers' defense toughened, held him to a field goal. And, and that was the – looking back on that game a little bit, to me that was the key to the game was both teams moved the ball up and down the field the first four times. The first four p- possessions were all scores. But the Packers scored two touchdowns and the Chiefs scored two field goals. So it's 14-6. And as it turns out, that eight-point swing was the final score as well. So – that was big. I thought, you know, the Packers were getting touchdowns and the Chiefs were Chiefs were, were, were kicking field goals. But but getting back to Love, he knows he went against Mahomes. He and he, and he knows he that that he went against uh, Goff the week before, who was had been playing really well, and Herbert two weeks prior to that. I mean, they you know, you know, it's, he's not in a in a in a box where he doesn't know what's going on. So yeah, I mean, for him to for him to come come away with a to play as well as he did. And as Mark said, you know, on that national stage, that's big. It's, it, it doesn't get any bigger. Yeah, there was a lot. Love looked very good, composed, didn't make a lot of mistakes. He's he's really focused in right now. And like Mark Ross said, there's there's going to be some ups and downs. And, and even Aaron Rodgers had some clunkers in there, too. I mean, every quarterback has a down game. But it seems like the trend is that he's going to play – better football than not. And he's got a good relationship with LaFleur. He's running the offense. The offense is running very well. And the other impressive thing, too, is if you can plug other players in and get similar, some production, Ben Sims catches a touchdown, that's Luke Musgrave if he's healthy. And if you can get guys that can step in and you can still run the offense that you want to run, you know, some of the same plays that that you are comfortable with, it's only going to benefit your team here. And I think this is kind of my real simple analysis of how the Packers don't let this game against the Giants fall by the wayside is just play your game. Just go out and play your game. I mean, you talked last week and it came to fruition about 
how do you contain Patrick Mahomes, the mush rush and all that kind of stuff? I thought they did a pretty decent job. I mean, Mahomes had some rushing yards. He got out. He, you know, he's, he's a slippery individual. I'm really curious how some of those throws and plays looked in person because it was crazy. Just the, the stuff that he does uh, was amazing. But I think this defense is also playing very well. There's been a lot of, you know, I think, I think we, we had to take all of the, is Joe Barry going to survive? I mean, we, we can talk about that after the season is over, but at this point right now, it's hard to say that he won't because this defense is playing, and that's our side of the ball, is playing very well against an offense that's coming in with their third most preferred quarterback. They're last in pa- passing. They have four rushing touchdowns all year. Saquon Barkley has one rushing touchdown all year. This, this seems like a matchup where they should be able to take advantage of their strength and advantage. Yeah, they should. But like like Mark said, yeah, that's why you play the game to see what happens. You know, Barkley only has one one touchdown, and that's who knows why that is. But uh, he's still he's still a very good running back. Joe Barry has to has to stick to what's been working lately, which is keeping the three down linemen. You know, concentrating more on the run. If Devito, you know, the Giants wide receivers are average. Devito, I don't think some a, a big time runner. Like like they've seen this in you know Mahomes or other guys like that, you know, stop Barkley first, make it third and you know second and nine, third and seven, whatever, and then take your chances with with Devito. And also, as I said earlier, the Giants' offensive line has allowed sixty nine sacks this year. That's a lot of sacks. Yeah. So I expect you know Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and Bonte Wyatt, Preston Smith, uh, Van Ness. I expect them to get some pressure on Tommy DeVito. They got three sacks on on Mahomes last week, which isn't he's a, he's he's not the easiest guy to sack, and they sacked him three times. Uh, I believe two of those sacks came when when the Chiefs were were in the Packers red zone and forced the field goals and and instead of touchdowns. So 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 they were very not just I mean sacks are sacks are always good, but some are better than others, and they were they were very good ones because it it was like a, you know took four points off the board maybe so. Yeah, I expect them to get some pressure on DeVito, but number one is stop Barkley first. Don't let Barkley, you know, don't let what happened against Pittsburgh, where where the, where, where the Steelers, you know, their passing game wasn't great either. But, Barry, again, Barry, was we went over that a long time ago, how he was worried about his corners. Uh, well, the secondary is getting a little healthier now. Hopefully J- Jair will be back this week. I thought he, I thought he might be back last week, but maybe with an, another extra day since the game isn't until Monday. Uh, maybe he maybe he's back. Savage was back last week. Started and I thought had a nice game. Rudy Ford's back and this you know so the the secondary is getting healthier. Keyshawn Nixon made a made a great play last week in, against the Chiefs on that interception. So and and Eric Stokes might may even be 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 back next week. We don't. I mean, the, you know it, things are going really well for the Green Bay Packers right now. They're they're playing well. They beat two very good teams back to back. As, you know, if, again, I, I hate to call games easy because no game in the NFL is necessarily easy, but easier than others. So the schedule is in their favor, and they're getting healthy. They're they're getting, you know, they got like I said, they got some guys back last week. Hopefully, J- Jair and Eric Stokes come back. Um, I don't think Aaron Jones will be back this week, but maybe maybe for the Tampa game, I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed on on that one. Musgrave, but I don't think I'm Musgrave. Yeah, Musgrave he's, might. Yeah, if, if he's yeah, if he comes, yeah, if he comes back, I'm thinking like very end of the season, Playoffs. and if they make the post uh, postseason, yeah, then he is. would be then he would be back. I mean, Keyshawn's interception. I've been waiting for him to actually make. He's been close, but I've been waiting for him to make a play like that all season long because he has that savvy. He does a lot of film study. He knows where to be. And in fact, if you listen to him talk after the game, that was a film study play that yep. he made. He knew what the route was going to be. He be, I mean, he became the receiver on that play, <laughs> which is, which is, which was a beautiful thing to see. And, and listen, Mahomes will throw a couple up there, but there's this weird force in the universe where he gets away with a lot of his mistakes and the Packers made him pay for that one and took the ball away. And obviously those are, those are the things the Packers have been doing really well over the few last few games to help them stay in and win these, these last three in a row. And 
Same thing here against the Giants. Listen, force some turnovers. I mean, maybe on the defensive side here, if you trust now that your your corners are in a little better shape, you feel better about Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine on the outside. If Jair can come back, great. Jair's out there. Darnell Savage is back now. You've got him out there. Maybe you send maybe you send an extra rusher. Maybe you get get exotic and you really start putting some crazy pressure on the young quarterback DeVito, force some mistakes. The Packers can build an early lead in some way, shape, or form, and then it becomes a little bit easier for them. I, I would like to see the Packers win this one a little a little more handily and be able to just say, hey, not not resting starters or anything like that, but not sweating it out and having to, to grind it out until the very last possession against, again, against the Giants team that I think even though they're on the road, the Packers being on the road, they should beat. No, I agree. I mean, I think getting up early in this is, it's always important, right, to to get up early on, on any team. But especially, I think, you know, let, let's mark to the Giants are kind of, I don't want to say they're in turmoil, but there's some questioning, like, you know, what ha- what they've done, what they haven't done. You get out to a nice lead, first of all, from a, from a strictly on the field X's and O's standpoint, if you're up 14 nothing or 14-3 or 17, whatever it is, you, they're not going to run Barkley, right? They're, when you fall behind, you tend to get away from the run game, um, which would be ideal for, for the Packer defense to not have to worry about Barkley as much. And then secondly, if the Giants fall behind, you know, they I, I, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not around that Giants, I don't know what they what they're thinking, but I would tend to think a team with a losing record that's not really going anywhere this year, that's been a disappointment to themselves, to their fans. I don't know if they fight back. I don't know. I mean, I've seen teams kind of fall behind early and just kind of pack it in some sometimes because, like I said, they're not the see their their season's basically over. But if you let them hang around, you know, if you, if it stays close and 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 they're in the game, they're thinking, hey, okay, we can steal one here. We can. Pull up and up. We could pull off an upset on Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah. You want to avoid that, and obviously, that's if you look at the remaining games, the only one on on the slate where I can say, "Hey, dogfight." Clearly, it's 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 going to be a tough one. Is that game at Minnesota against the Vikings? And maybe we'll, maybe let's see where the Vikings are at that point too. Yeah, and we'll see what where they are. But just in in looking at it here, it's. I guess my point is is not that I think the Packers should steamroll the Giants, but I, it's it's winnable now. The narrative has changed. I mean, just a month ago, we were talking about, can this team win a game? And now we're talking about, hey, they shouldn't lose very many games down the stretch here, and they should make the postseason. I mean, the odds of them now making the postseason have gone up a lot, and they just grabbed that seventh seed with the win over the Chiefs. So, yeah, it's it's been a crazy season. I mean, if if... I guess if if you want to look at it this way, they didn't beat the the Broncos and the Raiders, who are AFC teams, but they did beat the Chargers and the Chiefs, who are also AFC teams. So I guess they traded in the two they should have won for the two that a lot of us thought they weren't going to win. And but I but I think this is a a great way to do it if they're going to make a playoff run and, and try to make some noise. You want to be peaking at the right time. Now is a much better time to be peaking than a month ago or a month and a half ago in the middle of the season. So as far as the Giants offense, I think we've kind of Saquon is is the big name. And then as as far as their receivers go, Jalen Hyatt, who is a young wide receiver the Giants have had that was, you know, a lot of Packers fans liked him coming out too. Um, he's he's done good things for them. Darius Slayton, Wendale Robinson is at this at the wide receiver position. Uh, we won't see the um, the tight end Darren Waller he's on injured reserve, so I won't get a chance. That's a big loss. It is that's, that could have hurt the Packers. It's a big one for him. It's a it's a big one for him for sure. But this Packers defense just come out hot and, and ready to go. I mean, I'll I'll tell you on the Sunday night TV cast when they were doing the pregame chat, the you know Collinsworth and Tarico, you could see the Packers running out on the field at that point, and it was obviously pre-recorded, but I could see the energy of every guy that ran out of the tunnel onto the field, and I said, you know what? They're going to do something tonight because they're fired up. They're legitimately ready to go. They're not just running out. There's there's energy. There's an energy in the building. So it's it's an exciting time. I mean, it's There's two home games left. I don't think they're going to be fortunate enough to get another home game at, at Lambeau beyond that. Just take just take care of business. Just do what you're supposed to do here. I mean, there's not really hard hitting analysis there for for anybody, but uh, that's that's my take. What's what is your key to the game? Stopping Saquon Barkley. 
Yeah. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, you know, they're, the Packers, this is the first time in a month that they're favored. They were favored against the Rams at home because the Rams didn't have a quarterback, who, by the way, is now the Jets quarterback. The, you saw that, right? The Jets signed Brett, Brett Ripon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that that team's in great shape. That good thing they had that great general manager and Joe Joe Douglas. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, they're the better. The Packers are, right now are the, are the better team. They're hotter. It is on the road, which is never easy. But just don't. I don't want to. I don't want a replay of Pittsburgh or some of the other games we've seen the Packers play where a good running back kills. You know, runs for 150 yards and they can't. You know. They can't get off the field because it's third and it's third and two. And they give them the first down and second and five, third and one, first down. You know, no, you know, that's what the Giants are going to try to do. The Giants are going to try to run Barkley to death, you know, hold the ball, keep love off the field, keep loving the Packers offense off the field for as much as they can with long, boring drives, you know, and try to win this game. You know, low, the Giants are going to try to win a low scoring, hold the ball kind of game. And the Packers got to stuff the box, you know, hold Barkley, you know, to whatever many yards, and make make Tommy DeVito throw the ball yeah. to, to win. Um, and then when when the you know when the Packers get the ball, you do what they've been doing: use everybody, uh, mix the run and pass. Um, Giants defense isn't it's not great by no means, but it's not terrible. They've they've had some they've done. They've had a couple games where they've looked okay. They've had some where they haven't. Like Mark brought up the Cowboy game where the Cowboys blew them out. But the Cowboys got a pretty high-powered offense. Yeah, this is a game that they should win. Like I said, they're favored. They're not, they're, you know, it's natural. It's, you know, it's human nature to have a little bit of a letdown after a big win like they had against Kansas City. But there was a little bit of, there was human nature was to have a letdown after beating the Lions on Thanksgiving. And, and they came out ready to play. I will say this. If the Packers win the coin toss... Take the ball. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I think somebody asked Matt Lafleur about that at, at his press conference. That because you know the last two weeks they've gotten the ball first. Once they took it, and once the, the last week Kansas City won the toss and and deferred, um, but they got the ball and went right down the field and scored. And I know all the analytics and all that and says, "Oh no, you're supposed to kick off and then you get the, the chance for a double." No, the way the Packers are going now, give me the ball. Let me go down and take the lead. And that's what they've done. They've led start to finish against both the Lions and the Chiefs. Right. Yeah. Which is also very impressive to hold on to that lead and play with that sense of urgency and not like, you know, earlier in the season, they didn't even start playing offense until the second quarter or the second half and, or, and sometimes not even until the fourth quarter. I mean, the Saints game is the ultimate example of that there where this team is awake now. They're awake. They understand what they need to do. They've, they've found a little bit of, uh, we'll call it identity and, and a rhythm that they want to get into. Some confidence. Confidence breeds more confidence. Winning breeds more winning. And I'm just... Again, thrilled, thrilled that we're in this position here. The only thing left to do, Mark, and this is actually a tough one for us because now we actually have some superstition and some strategy is pick the game here. So I don't know what direction you want to go with this whole thing. I've been picking against the Packers and they've won three in a row and I'm almost tempted to, I don't know if I want to, I, I don't know if I want to switch it up. So what, what, what are you doing here with your, your pick in this game? Now I'm going to pick, I'm, I'm the same. I'm like thinking like, like you as well, but now I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick what I think. I think that, I think the Packers. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be a blowout necessarily. I don't think it's going to. I hope it is. I really do. But you know, I've seen enough Packer games where n- nothing's easy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think they'll win. I'm going to say 23-14, Green Bay. Okay, so you have a low. So you have more of a low-scoring game. So yeah. I I can't in good conscience here, knowing that the Packers' defense has been as consistent as they have been, say that the Giants are going to put up more than 19 points. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to cut them off at 17. I was, I was thinking 28, 19, but I think it's, I think it's, I'm going to go 28, 17. And I think maybe the Packers score late and they, they get a chance to breathe a little bit and, and they end up okay. I think, I think they'll win the game. And if I, if they don't blame it on me, because I, I picked the Packers after, but I did say I'm not picking them until they win and they've won three times. So it's about time for me to pay the Piper here. So we're both taking the pack against the Giants Monday Night Football. We'll be back again next week to break down the game and, and all of that stuff. Now, remind me here, too, because it's a Monday night, I don't re- remember how that necessarily changes what it is that you're doing. So what's up at Packer Report and what's coming up? Well, I'm going to have a preview of the game 
you know, like I always do. And then I'm also, because I didn't write after the game last week because I was there and acting, you know. I'm going to do a story for Sunday on the Packers don't play Sunday, right? They play Monday night. But there are some interesting games that can affect the Packers on Sunday. So I'll, I'll take a look at the games that Packer fans should have an eye on Sunday when they're watching football and what those games mean to the Packers uh, playoff fortunes. Okay, very good. There will be a Quick Slants podcast on Monday. It'll end up being a game preview because there's no game on Sunday. So we can talk a little more about the stuff that happened around the NFC and the NFC North on Sunday and what that means for the Packers ahead of the game that evening. So great conversation with Mark Ross. Always a pleasure to have him on. And hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to him again sometime in the near future. But otherwise, everybody enjoy the ending, the winding down and ending of another week. Enjoy a stress-free Sunday and get loud and get rowdy for Monday Night Football because this Packers team is a playoff team right now and they need every win that they can get. Everybody, thanks for riding along with the Thursday edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. As always, go Pack Go! Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.